Hello and welcome to 2021. So good to be together. So good to worship together wherever you're joining us from. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us. How do you know the new year has started and it's at least one minute past the clock? Well, you've already broken a new year's resolution. You've eaten those carbs. You've been a little bit late for that quiet time and you missed the dishes. You promised your wife you would never miss again. Welcome to 2021. It's time to phone all the friends who, all the prophesiers who said that this was the end of the world, 2020. It wasn't. We have made it. We are here and it's time to take over the world for Jesus. Thank you for being with us. And I am super pumped, as you've probably picked up, to preach the gospel this morning, and I've got you for 15 minutes, so let's go. I want to preach this morning a simple word on legacy strategies for life. See, I've just been away with a friend of mine. He's like Mr. Strategy. Everything has a strategy. To go to the beach has a strategy. To go to dinner has a strategy. He's like strength finders, best Top five strength finders, number one, two, and three, all strategy. And so you hang around an individual like that, and you realize that life needs strategies. I'm a strategy guy. And when I read the Bible, I'm looking for strategies that lead to life. Another thing, sitting with my friend, we're talking. We were friends when we were 20. We were best men at each other's weddings. And now we're 42 and 41, respectively. And you start speaking about things like legacy. What would your legacy be? If this was your time and this was your moment and you were taken up into glory, what would your legacy be? What would the story people would tell be about your life, about your years? You see people run off the records and getting their names in some book called the Guinness Book of Records. But who of you knows these names? Let me give you one. First one, Brittany Walsh. Anyone know Brittany Walsh? Anyone? Facebook friends, follow on Instagram. Now, Brittany Walsh holds the record for the farthest arrow shot using her feet. Yes, 40 feet, excuse the pun, and 4.64 inches. She shot an arrow using her feet. That got her into the Guinness Book of Records until someone else takes a record, but that's not a legacy. That's a name in a book. What about Lucky Diamond Rich, the most tattooed man ever to live? Over a 1,000 hours of body modification. What about Tazio Gavioli, a good one? I, I wouldn't mind this one. 36 consecutive pull-ups. I mean, I would just tell you, if I could do that alone, you're winning at life and 2021 is rocking. But this man owns the record for the most consecutive pull-ups with your pinky only. Try to do one pull-up with your pinky. But what you realize is there's none of these are legacies, none of these are statements that you really want people to make. Oh, he could do a good pull-up with this pinky. No, at my funeral, the moment I go back to be with Jesus and people are speaking, I want them to speak about the life that I lived, the love that I gave, the generosity I poured out, the kindness I gave away, and how I was loved by Jesus. In Mark 14, there's this amazing situation, and it starts out just by telling us this. Jesus is reclining, having a meal at Simon the leper's house. If you want to know all about Jesus, the fact that Jesus wasn't chilling out with the religious, he wasn't chilling out with those who'd done their daily devotion for the day, he was at the outcast house, Simon the leper. He was there. And while they're eating, something extraordinary happens that leads Jesus to make an extraordinary statement to a beautiful lady in the midst. A statement of legacy, a statement of you will be remembered. And Jesus says this to her in verse 9 of chapter 14. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. 
what she has done will be told. Wherever the gospel goes for all of eternity, there will be a story told, a memory made, a reminder of what this lady has done. What did she do that was so amazing? What life did she live for all her years? It was, it was so incredible. They laid out this legacy for her story. See, as Jesus always did, he picked an unlikely person. This lady described as a lady who lived a sinful life. We don't know much more than that. We love to get excited. We love to say, well, she must have been a prostitute. She must have. Well, the Bible doesn't actually tell us that. It just says sinful life. But brokenness, sin leads to brokenness, pain, death. Let me read a little bit more from Mark chapter 14. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. It's all going down. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may write. Good strategy they had there. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Wow. So that's her action. She, in the middle of, she breaks into this party. She takes an alabaster jar. She breaks it and pours the perfume. And the, the book of Luke tells us that she washes his feet with her hair, with this perfume. And it's this emotional act of worship to her king. She's in the presence of Jesus and she uses that moment to break open this precious perfume, pour it over his head, wash it down his body and wash his body, as we are told in Luke, with her hair. It says this in Luke 7. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She wasn't even invited. She just heard, Jesus is in town. I'm going there. Jesus is here. I'm going there and I'm going to take something I can get my hands on, something precious, a gift that I can pour out over him. She had a strategy. Maybe she'd messed up in her life. When someone is described as a sinful life, we tend to think of something really wrong. But the Bible says we all sin and fall short. And so she comes with a strategy. See, her actions lead Jesus to make a statement that she will have a legacy. She will be remembered for all the years to come wherever the gospel is preached. And too many today are making and doing actions that get a reaction from people, but not a response from Jesus. See, all too often, we think about what the world thinks about what we leave behind. But how much does that really matter when we're in the presence of glory, in the presence of Jesus, the only one whose opinion really matters? How much will my Lamborghini in the garage back on earth mean? I want to challenge you this morning to make legacy decisions for life in Jesus. Carries on in verse 4 of Mark chapter 14. Some of those present were saying indignantly to another. Indignantly. I didn't nail that one. Indignantly to one another. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to poor. Doesn't that sound so righteous? So, mm. And they rebuked her harshly. Good religious people. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful things to me. The pure will all, you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Legacy strategies for life. 
Jesus says, what she has done. He speaks of it. So when I read the Bible, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a strategy guy. I look at the strategies. I look at what Jesus feeds back and I go, I want to embrace that and take that into my life and live it out as something of a strategy, not on how to succeed in life, how to please Him, how to live for Him and how to live in the life that He gives. So point number one, simple as this, what the world calls wasteful, Jesus calls beautiful. What the world calls wasteful, you're wasting that year's wages. You are wasting it. Jesus says, no, hang on, hang on. What she did is beautiful. Says they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Why? Because this is her worship. She knows her past more than anyone, more than the skinnering as she's entering the house to get in Jesus. Why is she going in there? She shouldn't be there. She shouldn't be allowed in. She knows. And yet she walks in knowing everything and pours out her act of worship the same way you and I do every Sunday and every morning we wake up and every time we enter into prayer and every time we come before our King and cry out for His grace, His mercy, just His ear to listen and His voice to speak. But I want to tell you in what is called beautiful by Jesus, there's a cost and you will be criticized. There's a, an emotional cost for her. She's ridiculed. She's challenged. Ah, we know what you've done, and now you come to Jesus? How hypocritical. Or what about the cost financially? She would have taken all her years of saving, and her year of saving, she would have bought that perfume that would have been a future, a, a potential inheritance for her children, and she pours it over Jesus, and everyone goes wasteful. Jesus goes beautiful. What about the cost relationally? As people judging, having an opinion, everyone in the room. But what about the prize? When last did you truly, truly worship Jesus? So what I'm basically asking is, when last did it cost you emotions? Finances, time, talents, treasures. When last were you prepared to lay things aside to worship Jesus? I'm not talking about worship on a Sunday at church. I'm talking about worship Jesus, kneel before the presence of Emmanuel, the God who is with us, the God Christmas tells us came to be with us. When last was your worship costly to you? Because that's what Jesus calls beautiful. The world will call it a waste of time. But I want to tell you, Christianity is not a once-off occurrence. When last did you break something? Time, talents, treasures. When last did you break something before Jesus so that Jesus can do what he loves to do, which is break things in and over us of life? Second point, do what you can, what, not what you can't. Mark, what do you mean? Well, we live in an aspirational world when we think we can get everything. And the highest earner on YouTube is some seven-year-old kid who reviews toys. So we think we're going to aspire to that and the big life is going to come. So what we start doing with Jesus, we start trying to please him with things that we shouldn't be trying to please him with. And how does he commend this lady? He measures her this way. He says, she did what she could. Not less than what she could and not more than what she could. She did what she could. What can you do? Because most people live in a space, well, I can't preach like that guy. I can't speak like that guy. I can't pray like that lady. I can't give like that billionaire. So what do we do? We stay in the blocks and we don't do what we can. And Jesus commends this lady and says, a strategy for legacy and life and your name will be remembered for eternity wherever the gospel is preached. Your name will be mentioned. Why? Because she did what she could. She's like that amazing lady in Mark chapter 12 
who he speaks about, but a poor widow came and put very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. He needs to teach his guys. He says, guys, I need you to get this. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, putting in everything, all she had to live on. When last did you give out of your poverty? Yes, time, talents, treasures. Yes, give in worship to Jesus. Yes, costly. When last did you give out of your poverty? Why? Because Jesus commends a lady for doing all she could do. What can you do? What are the newest resolutions, the promises you've made to God that you've probably already broken, and yet God is so gracious, he says, come back, come back, speak again, let's go again. And lastly, don't miss the moment. I love that statement, says the word, you cannot get three things back, the word after it is said, the moment after it is gone, and the time after it is passed. You just can't get those three things back. The word after it's said, once you've said it, you've ever had those moments, ah, the time after it's passed, it's like you can't move a clock backwards. You can't stop the world and anti-rotate it. What about the moment after it's gone? You see, Jesus says this, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. There's something about the timing of the story. There's something Jesus is saying is she did this before I went to the cross. She did this before I rose from the dead. She did this before the world saw that I am everything I said I was. And I'm telling you, Jesus is challenging much of modern day Christianity that is waiting for the miracle rather than worshiping the miracle worker while we wait. Can I say that again? Because that was good. Too much of Christianity is about waiting for the miracle. God, I'll worship you, I'll praise you, I'll give to you. When I get my miracle and Jesus says, no, this lady, she has a legacy strategy for life. Why? Because she gave and she worshiped. She sacrificed and she paid the price to worship me. And it was beautiful and she chose to do it before anyone else saw me go to that cross. See, timing is important. 2020, it's gone. You can't get it back. You don't get a do-over. You don't get to take it back. 2020 is gone. All its challenges, all its chop passes, they, they're gone. But 2021 is here. Today is here. My family is here. You are here. This city is here. The world is here. Will you live now? Will you take the moment now to worship Jesus? See, I love the fact that Mark 14 and Luke 7 says that this sinful woman will be remembered. But what will she be remembered for? And as, not as a sinful woman, as a worshiper. She has a legacy, a story being told for all eternity until we go back to heaven. Wherever the gospel goes, you will know of this amazing lady. As a worshiper who cracked open the alabaster jar and poured the perfume over Jesus and washed his feet with her hair, she got down and took her glory, her hair. In those days, your hair was your glory as a woman. She took her glory and she washed the glorious one's feet and gave him glory. When last did you give him glory with your glory? Or are we so good at taking our glory for today, we forget there's an eternity coming and that opinion matters higher and greater than any other story. See, I want legacy. I want my kids to tell stories about me. So do you. But what stories will they tell? The car you had in the garage, that'll fade away. The house, that'll be gone. 
the, the big deals you did, someone else will do a bigger deal and impress them more. Or the fact that you loved, you lived, you gave, you sacrificed, you were kind, and you were loved by Jesus, and you worshipped your king, and you gave him glory. What matters more than what your kids think? Or your friends or this world? What does Jesus think? Three strategies for legacy in life. What the world calls wasteful, Jesus calls beautiful. Do what you can, not what you can't. And don't miss the moment. You see, there's this great juxtaposition, juxtaposition, struggling today, of Christianity. The way to gain a life worth remembering is not to store up and build up and put it all in a box. No, the way to gain a life worth remembering is to give it away. To give it away for Jesus, for His glory, for His wonder. Whether we're using our glory to wash His feet, whether we are declaring it on the streets of the city, whether we are doing deals for His glory, or whether we're giving to the poor, giving to His kingdom advancing, whatever it looks like, that's what matters. And that's how we build a life of legacy. We surrender all. Not just songs we sing at church because the worship leaders start singing them, but lives laid out, laid out before the King of Kings. I surrender all. And I surrender all. She's down on her feet, on her knees, at his feet, taking her hair, pouring the oil the perfume over his feet. All to thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all. Will you surrender it all to Jesus now? Will you give what you can? Will you trust him? Will you allow your mind to be renewed so that your story can count and be remembered? We love you. We're praying for you every day. We know these times are tough, but I'm telling you, church, it's time for the church to shine more than ever before. In the darkest times, his light will shine. Go and shine for Jesus.